You're listening to The Firsts, The Forerunners of Islam, the series that visits those distinguished as leaders of humanity, not only in history, but in the ranks of the next world. Dive into the stories of the giants who were the first of their kind as they rose to the occasion and became preserved inspirations for generations to come. With your host, Sheikh Dr. Omar Suleiman, let's meet The Firsts. Tonight, inshallah ta'ala, this one is going to go through a few different emotions because we'll go through the lives of Ali and Fatima, may Allah be pleased with them, the humanity of both of them, the marital struggles that they had, some of the difficulties while still seeing the way the Prophet comforted them and, and cared for them, and then ultimately the death of the Prophet and then the death of Fatima, may Allah be pleased with her and the very human emotion that came out of that. Starting off though, um, there was this frequent, this frequent pursuit of the Prophet, peace be upon him's love, and everyone wanted to know if the Prophet loved them the most, right? This is a very common trend that you find in the hadiths where people come to the Prophet and say, who do you love the most? And can you imagine Ali and Fatima asking the Prophet which of us two do you love more? Right, so we, last week we talked about Al-Abbas and Ali and Usama ibn Zayd coming to the Prophet and saying, who do you love the most? And he says, Fatima. But now it's Ali and Fatima asking the Prophet by the way, who do you love more? What do you think the answer of the Prophet was? Both? You know, we struggle like when you're talking, it's, it's not, not like when you're talking to your kids and I love you and I love you. The Prophet had the most eloquent answer. First of all, the Prophet can't lie. Right, he his heart is attached to Fatima. He loves Fatima, and Fatima is very special to him. But at the same time, he doesn't want to answer that question in a way that would hurt Ali, who he also raised like his own son, right? And he loved Ali radiAllahu anhu like his own son. He's his son. He's his cousin. He's his brother in Medina. He's so much to him. So they asked the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, "Which of us two is more beloved to you?" So he looked at Ali and he said, "Hiya ahabu ilayya mink, wa anta aazu alayya minha." It's a beautiful answer. He said, "Look, first of all, hiya ahabu ilayya mink. She is more beloved to me than you. But wa anta aazu alayya minha. You are more precious to me than her." <laughs> so he gave them an answer that they could both take some pride in. Right? You have more. Izza with me, she has more hub with me. You, you are more precious to me. And of course, there are certain connotations to that, what he means by that. And you are more beloved to me, O Fatima, because the Prophet truly uh, loved her that much. Now, the first problem that arises in this marriage is not that they had an argument. It's not that they, the, the poverty got to them. It's the distance from the Prophet wasallam. Once they got married, realized they were, they were poor, they were distant from the Messenger their home was far away and they felt a distance from him. Fatima grew up as the daughter and then Umm Abiha, the mother of her father, of the Prophet Ali anhu also felt a distance from the Prophet And if you look at an old map of Medina, you'll find that the hujurat, the apartments of the Prophet if you will, the small homes of the Prophet were where you would see his grave now, so his, where his grave is, is actually the room of who? That's Hujrat, that's the apartment of Aisha radiallahu anha, that's where the home of the Prophet and Aisha radiallahu anha was. And then you, you have these small homes that run uh, to the left side of the masjid, right? And they run two by two, um, taking up that area. And the house, was far away from the Prophet Sallallahu house. Now, all of the homes of the Prophet Sallallahu actually belonged or were, were built on the land of one man. And his name was, and, and his name doesn't come up, I, I'm not even gonna bother asking if someone knows it, mashallah, but it's a very hard name to find. His name is Haritha ibn al-Nu'man. Haritha ibn al-Nu'man. He's, he's not that well known from the companions, but he owned a huge piece of land next to the area of the masjid. So whenever the Prophet ﷺ would get married, he'd give him a, a, a new extension of the land so that the Prophet ﷺ could have a home there. So when Ali and Fatima got married, the Prophet ﷺ was too embarrassed to ask Haritha for more land so that he could have a home for Fatima 
and Ali close to him. So Haritha saw in the Prophet one day some sort of emotion, some longing. So he said to him, do you miss your daughter Fatima? And the Prophet said, yes. And he knew what he was indicating. He said, but I was too embarrassed to ask you because you've already given us so much. So subhanAllah, this is the humility of the Prophet He could snap his finger and everyone will throw everything at him, right? But he doesn't want to take advantage of the kindness of Haritha. So he said, I didn't want to ask you for more. And Haritha said, by Allah, the land that I give to you is more beloved to me than the land that I keep with me. I love giving you land. You could take all the property that you want. It's okay. So he told the Prophet why don't you take this piece of land, which is right across from your house with Aisha. Okay, so why don't you take that piece of land? right across from your house with Aisha radiallahu anha. So the Prophet sallallahu uh, smiled and he made dua for him. He prayed for him that Allah would give him a palace in paradise. So Fatima's home and Ali's home was then built adjacent to the house of the Prophet sallallahu and Aisha radiallahu anha. In fact, the only window that you have in those small, uh, if you look at the, 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 uh, the models of how those homes were built, there was only one window. The window of Aisha and the window of Fatima we're facing each other, right? So it's very close to the house of the Prophet So they moved close to him. But then you had the problem of poverty. As I mentioned in the story of Ali, Ali radiallahu anhu was always poor, always in poverty, right? His whole life is defined by intense poverty. And the Prophet himself lived in great poverty. So it's not like the Prophet made it and then left his daughter uh, in poverty. No, the Prophet ﷺ himself was in deep poverty until, until the day of his death, right? The Prophet ﷺ never moved into a palace. He never ate more than a meal a day and it was usually just some dates and water. Prophet ﷺ was in poverty. So Ali and Fatima reached the point of extreme poverty and Ali radiallahu anhu developed back pain and Fatima radiallahu anha developed blisters in her hands because of the amount of work that they had to do just to stay afloat. And she was exhausted. And so Ali anhu said to Fatima anha, why don't you ask the Prophet if he could provide a khadim, a servant, a maid, someone to help out in the home. And Fatima anha said that I'm too embarrassed to ask him. Ali anhu said, why don't you just go and just inquire, just see if the Prophet ﷺ, you know, the Prophet ﷺ had high emotional intelligence. He could tell what his daughter would want or, you know, and, and he would be able to read it and the Prophet ﷺ would likely, as we know his character, would likely go ahead and say, yes, fine, <laughs> you know, here you go. And so Fatima went to the house of the Prophet ﷺ after Salat al-Fajr, after the Fajr prayer the next day and found the Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, and uh, inquired about the Prophet ﷺ. And Aisha radiallahu anha said that the Prophet had not come home yet. So he was still in the masjid uh, doing remembrance. He was praying. He was remembering Allah. He was supplicating as he would do for a long time after the morning prayer, after Fajr, up until the time of sunrise. So she went home. Now when the Prophet uh, came home, Aisha told the Prophet that Fatima came looking for you today. Prophet immediately went to the house and uh, he knocked the door and Ali radiallahu anhu said, Man, who is it? So the Prophet said that it's, it, it, it's me. Ali radiallahu anhu said, Ya Rasulullah intadir. He said, O Messenger of Allah, wait. They wanted to get the house ready. It was nighttime, okay? And they wanted to get the house ready and you know, be a little bit more presentable, right? When the Messenger of God comes to the home. The Prophet said, don't worry, ala halikuma. He said, just stay as you are. Stay seated as you are. Now, if you remember last week, the house of Ali and Fatima had one bed. It was also their couch. It was also where they fed their animals from. So they literally sat up on the bed and the Prophet said, don't get up, just stay right there. And it was a cold night, okay? So the Prophet, so they were kind of wrapped in, in, in their blanket. The Prophet went inside and he sat between them. And he looked at Fatima and he said, Ya Fatima, O Fatima. She said, Naam, Ya Rasulullah. Yes, O Messenger of God. He said, Jittini liyom. Did you come looking for me today? So she said, Naam, Ya Abi. Yes, O my father. He said, Mada turidini, Ya Fatima. What is it that you're asking for, O Fatima? What, what caused you to inquire? 
So she said to the Messenger of Allah that I heard that maybe you had a servant or a maid or someone that could help me. Maybe there was someone that could help me because it's become difficult in the home. The Prophet said, Man akhbaraki, who told you that there might be some servants or there might be a maid or someone to be able to help you, a khadima to be able to help you. She didn't want to throw Ali under the bus because Ali was the one that told her that I think that he might, he might be able to, to provide a servant or a maid or a khadim to help you. So she just said, someone told me. So the Prophet wasallam said, Ya Fatima, أَفَلَا أُعْطِيكُمَا مَا هُوَ خَيْرٌ لَكُمَا مِنْ خَادِمٍ Shall I not, O Fatima, shall I not give you something that is greater, that is more beneficial than a servant or a maid to assist you? So they, they both said, of course. Now the thinking was that maybe he's going to give, you know, he's going he's to find a way to, to have multiple maids or multiple servants to help them out. But the Prophet ﷺ is about to make this situation really good for them, right? The Prophet ﷺ instead said, when you go to sleep, say SubhanAllah 33 times, which is to glorify God. So say SubhanAllah 33 times. Say Alhamdulillah 33 times, meaning praise Allah 33 times. And say Allahu Akbar 34 times. Okay, that God is the greatest 34 times. So glorify Him 33 times, praise Him 33 times, and declare His greatness 34 times, which would make 100. They said, Naf'ar Ya Rasulullah, we'll do that Ya Rasulullah. And then they said, Wal Khadim, and also is there, is there a maid or is there a servant? The Prophet said, and this is powerful because it shows you the ethics and the integrity of the Prophet. He said, I can't give you a Khadim, I can't provide a servant for you, and leave the people of Sufa, which were the homeless people that slept in the masjid. Okay, so the masjid had homeless people, those Ahl al-Sufa, the people that slept in the back of the masjid. He said, I can't leave them and the orphans from the battle of Badr empty-handed. Okay, so there were orphans from the battle. Prophet Sallallahu said, I can't give them to, I can't, I can't help you and then leave them in their way. But the Prophet Sallallahu said, if you say these words every night before you sleep, Allah will provide for you in ways that are far greater than anything that you're asking for. Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, that I never missed, there was not a single night, a single night that I did not say those words after that. SubhanAllah 33 times, Alhamdulillah 33 times, Allahu Akbar 34 times. And he said, I swear by Allah that we were increased in strength and sustenance and we never felt like we needed a khadim or needed a maid or a servant after that. That Allah had enriched us in this situation or gave us the strength so that we didn't need anything after that. Uh, despite their poverty, they were a generous family. Of course, Fatima is like her father, Ali radiallahu anhu is like the Prophet who raised him. And so they used to give their, whatever that came into their home would often leave before they could taste anything of it. And so according to some of the narrations of tafsir, uh, for example, uh, the, the verse in Surah Al-Insan, وَيُطْعِمُونَ الطَّعَامَ عَلَىٰ حُبِّهِ مِسْكِينًا وَيَتِيمًا وَأَسِيرًا إِنَّمَا نُتْعِمُكُمْ لِوَجْهِ اللَّهِ لَا نُرِيدُ مِنْكُمْ جَزَاءً وَلَا شُكُورًا The verses in Surah Al-Insan, chapter 76, verse 8 and 9, um, that, and they give in food, or they give their food in spite of love for it, to the needy, to the orphans, and to the captives. And they say, we only feed you for the pleasure of Allah. We wish not from you reward or any form of gratitude. Uh, many of the scholars said that this was on a night that Ali and Fatima radiallahu anha, despite their starva- starving, despite their, their hardship, that they only had a loaf of bread and some water in their home and they gave it away to a poor family that came to ask. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, related that uh, for them. And there are different proofs of this. Ibn al-Jawzi rahimahullah mentioned some of the proofs for this. Imam al-Shafi'i used to refer to Ali radiallahu anhu in some of his poetry, man anzala fihi hal ata, man anzala fihi hal ata, the one who Surah al-Insan was revealed for, that Allah revealed that praise of people that give despite their own hardship to the orphan, to the, to the needy, and to the, uh, to the captive. There are also some narrations where you have disagreements, some narrations where the Prophet goes to the home, finds laughter. There are different narrations and, and each one of them gives you a different dimension of this household and some lessons for us. One of them, the Prophet used to go to their home and wake them up for Qiyam. Being a neighbor of the Prophet 
comes with some commitment too, right? <laughs> so the, this father would leave his home. The Prophet would leave his home at night and knock on the door to remind them to get up and to pray in the middle of the night as the Prophet would get up and invoke his Lord in the middle of the night. So one night the Prophet went there and he tried to wake Ali radiallahu anhu up and Ali did not wake up. So the Prophet told Ali the next day, he said, why didn't you wake up when I tried to wake you up for Qiyamul Layl? He said, Ya Rasulullah, if Allah wanted to bring our souls back, He would have. Alright? If Allah wanted to bring our souls back, He would have. So the Prophet ﷺ hit his own, he, he walked away and he said, That human beings are always argumentative. <laughs> you know? That that you know, even Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu would, would say that the Prophet said, Human beings are always argumentative. Uh, there's also a, a story of Ali and Fatima getting into a disagreement. This happens in the household of even the Prophet ﷺ, right? A husband and a wife getting into a disagreement. And you've got to have a high level of emotional intelligence to know how to diffuse it, to know what's going on. The Prophet ﷺ said that when I used to get into, an, when, when Aisha radiallahu anha, he, he once told Aisha, I know when you're upset with me. She said, how? He said, because when you're upset with me, you swear by the Lord of Abraham. And when you're pleased with me, you swear by the Lord of Muhammad So I can tell, I can tell from your sentiments, I can tell from your statements, the way that you speak when you're upset with me. So Ali and Fatima, one night the Prophet went to the house of Ali and Fatima and he found Fatima there alone and she was upset. So the Prophet said, uh, where is your cousin? He didn't say, where is your husband? Where is your cousin, right? He could tell that there was some, probably some friction. He read the situation right, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So she said, Ya Rasulullah, we got into a fight. And Ali radiallahu anhu went to the masjid to sleep in the masjid. Now, this masjid is not open for marital disagreements for you to come sleep in the masjid, by the way. I'm just going to put that out there, all right? The masjid of the Prophet you could go there any time of the night. Um, but there wasn't carpet, there wasn't AC, it was dirt. So the Prophet ﷺ walked into the masjid and he saw Ali radiallahu anhu sleeping in the corner and his top garment had come off and Ali radiallahu anhu was, uh, had dirt all on his back, sand on his back and he was sleeping. So the Prophet ﷺ went up to him, he didn't wake him up and, and, and you know, threaten him. He didn't wake him up and, and you know, the Prophet ﷺ did not play angry father here. He could have. I mean, he loves Fatima. And, and this is a part of justice, right? That you have to have a sense of justice. In-laws in particular. This is where father-in-law and mother-in-law can be very unhelpful. When it's my daughter, my son, instead of the best interest of trying to see, you know, trying to make the marriage the best possible, right? So this is the Prophet Sallallahu version of in-law interference. He goes up to Ali radiallahu anhu. He starts knocking the dirt off of his back. He sits him up and he puts the... He puts the, uh, his shirt back on him and he says, Qum ya Aba Turab, sit up, O father of dirt. Instead of Abu Talib, O Abu Turab. And Ali radiallahu anhu started laughing and the Prophet was joking with him, right? So the Prophet would joke with Ali and call him Abu Turab. And that was his favorite nickname, right? And that's actually where the story originates from, that the Prophet is knocking the dirt off of his back, cleaning him up. He says, Qum ya Aba Turab, sit up, O Abu Turab. And he says, go back to your wife. Go back home, right? So this is this was the way the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi interfered, if you will, in the life of Ali and Fatima to make things better, okay? To, to diffuse the situation. There's also um, a situation that arises after Fatih Mecca, after the conquest of Mecca. Now, back in those days, polygamy was primarily to establish links between tribes. Right? So it was this person, this nobleman marries someone from this tribe and that brings the two tribes together. And especially is done after war, right? To bring two tribes together. Like the case of Ben al-Mustalaq and Juwayriya and others that you find uh, in the Sila. This was the Arab custom, right? Where a person would be asked to marry, a, a nobleman from one tribe is asked to marry a woman from another tribe and that brings together two tribes and solidifies their relationships. So after the... Um, after Fatih Mecca, the tribe of Abu Jahl, which was Banu, uh, which was Banu Mahzum, um, Banu Mahzum and Banu Hashim were close. 
right? So this was the Prophet tribe and that powerful tribe. And they had a lot of heat before Islam, right? And I mean, when Islam happens, because Abu Jahl tortured the Prophet he was the pharaoh of this nation. And so they proposed to Ali, they said, why doesn't Ali marry? And this was a, 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 a joint effort, if you will, from some of the elders of the tribes, right? They said, why doesn't Ali عنه, marry Fatima bint Abi Jahl? Abu Jahl had a daughter named Fatima. And that would bring the two tribes together. Now when Fatima عنها, even heard that that was suggested, it hurt her. Humanity, right? It's her humanness. And it hurt the Prophet Sallallahu that she had caught wind that that suggestion was put out there. And it hurt, and it, and it hurt him that she was hurt. So the Prophet Sallallahu when he heard, he said, listen, I'm not going to make haram what Allah made halal. He said, but inna ma Fatimatu bid'atun minni yu'dhini ma adaha. He said, Fatima is a part of me. What hurts her, hurts me. What hurts her, hurts me. And he said, it's not befitting that a person would be married to the daughter of the Prophet of Allah and the enemy of Allah at the same time. The Pharaoh of the Ummah and the Prophet of Allah at the same time. So the Prophet stepped in, he expressed the humanity of it, the emotion of it. And there are some things that the scholars mentioned. They said, imagine Fatima radiallahu anha saw Abu Jahl torture her father. Right? Saw Abu Jahl torture the Prophet She was the one that would clean his wounds from Abu Jahl. And Ibn Hajar rahimahullah said that this incident occurred after the conquest of Mecca. At that time, none of the Prophet daughters were still alive except for her. She'd lost her mother, she lost her sisters. And so anything that would exasperate her grief and jealousy was something that was not looked upon. And that just like her mother, who had perfect faith, Khadija radiallahu anha, it was not befitting that anyone else would be married to Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So the Prophet stepped in. Right? And the Prophet expressed that pain. Now, this was again the custom of the time, but it shows you, right, that things can hurt people at those times, that there was a human sentiment to that. And the Prophet acknowledged that pain that Fatima radiallahu anha felt, but he wasn't unjust. The Prophet did not come in and say haram. He said, listen, yu'dhini ma adaha. She's me and I am her. It hurts her. What hurts, what hurts her hurts me. And that's enough, right? Ali radiallahu anhu did not pursue it or anything like that, but just the hint of that hurt her. And there was no question of the love of that relationship. And I want to make that very clear. There was absolutely no question of the closeness of Ali and Fatima. May Allah be pleased with them both. In fact, you start to find now, you dig into their relationship, the depth of that love, right? And that's something that also is to be told, that there was a deep love between both of them that formulated over the next 10 years. Uh, there's actually Ali radiallahu anhu was a poet. And I'm gonna, you know, this, this lesson is gonna end with a very painful poem. But this one's not, Ali radiallahu anhu used to author love poetry for Fatima radiallahu anhu, right? And so we all need to be more poetic. <laughs> um, Ali radiallahu anhu, anhu once saw Fatima radiallahu anha using what was known as the siwak, which is the toothbrush. Now the siwak comes from what tree? I'm going to ask the, uh, all the Bedouins here. From the Arak tree. So Siwak is, now it's on Amazon for like 30 bucks. It's a Moroccan toothbrush. It's just from the Arak tree. You could, go to, you could go to Mecca, Medina, and just grab a whole bunch of them, right? And they talk about all the amazing health benefits of the Moroccan toothbrush. It just sounds more exotic to say the Moroccan toothbrush. It's a Siwak. It's from the Arak tree. And Ali radiallahu anhu used to author poetry for Fatima radiallahu anha. And so this was one of, uh, this was a very powerful one because it shows you his eloquence. Ali radiallahu anhu saw Fatima using a siwak. And he said to the siwak, he said, حَضِيْتَ يَعُودَ الْأَرَاكِ بِثَغْرِهَا أَمَا خِفْتَ يَعُودَ الْأَرَاكِ أَرَاكَ لَوْ كُنْتَ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْقِتَالِ قَتَلْتُكَ مَا فَازَ مِنِّي يَا سِوَاكُ سِوَاكَ It's a powerful Arab I mean, by the way, for him, to, I would have to like spend, I, I could never come up with that. I'm not even going to say I would have to. It's impossible. It'd take a lifetime to come up with something that eloquent. But Ali played with the words to express his, his, his love for Fatima radiallahu anha. He says, He's like, wait a minute. You know, it's not just the jealousy of Fatima for Ali. He said, Oh, stick of the Arak tree. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? You know? And then he says, Ama khifta ya'ud al-araki araka, weren't you afraid, O stick of the Arak, 
that Araka, that I would see you? He said, if you were a, 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 a person to be killed, I would fight you. I would kill you. <laughs> no one has escaped me, O Siwak, Siwaka, which means other than you. Fatima radiallahu anha, this made her, I mean, the, she, 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 she was the one that actually felt extremely uh, treasured and touched by it. This wasn't like Ali radiallahu anhu being crazy and going into a rage and a fit. This was his way of expressing his love and his lira for her in their tradition and using the eloquence that, uh, that he had. So what does it look like for the next 10 years? Obviously, Medina as a whole, whatever the Prophet goes through, they go through as well. So it wasn't just the poverty. The Battle of Uhud, Fatima radiallahu anha was pregnant with her first child. What was his name? Al-Hasan radiallahu anhu. So Fatima was pregnant with Hassan during the Battle of Uhud and she was at the battle serving the injured. And Fatima radiallahu anha actually took care of the Prophet after his injuries in Uhud. We know that the Messenger of Allah was injured severely in the Battle of Uhud. Um, that year, it was Ramadan of the third year after Hijrah that Al-Hassan anhu was born. Now, if you remember the khutbah, when Hassan was born, what did Ali name him? I talked about it Friday khutbah. Harb, he named him War. And the Prophet came back and he said, no, no, his name is not Harb, his name is not going to be War. His name is going to be Hassan. Hassan means goodness, it means excellence, it means, it means a source of good, right? Uh, Hassan radiallahu anhu was special in many ways. For one, no one looked more like the Prophet than Hassan radiallahu anhu. And there is a, uh, a narration where Abu Bakr picked up Al Hassan, he uh, was throwing him in the air as a kid, and he said to him, You look more like your grandfather than your father. Right? So his shabh, his, his resemblance was of the Prophet even more than Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He looked more like his grandfather than his father. The Prophet used to love him. He used to, Al Hassan radiallahu anhu would, and I want you to remember this next time you see it, Al Hassan would always jump on the Prophet's back in sujood. So when the Prophet would make sajda, prostrate, Al Hassan radiallahu anhu would come and attack him, jump on his back. Now, kids, that's not an excuse <laughs> to, to, to take too long jumping on his back, but he would sit on, he would get on his back, and the Prophet would prolong his sujood when Al Hassan was on his back. So he'd stay in prostration while Hassan was on his back. And when the Prophet used to see him, he used to hold him and put him in his lap, and he used to make dua for him, he used to pray for him uh, often. Al-Husayn was born the very next year, the fourth year after Hijrah. What did Ali name him? He named him Harb again, he named him War. Prophet said, no, his name is Husayn, which means little Hassan. Okay, so another source of goodness. So the Prophet took naming uh, very seriously. And Al-Husayn also just becomes the, the, a source of great joy for the Prophet And this family of Ali and Fatima becomes four that are extremely precious to the Prophet And there is a narration, they said that Al-Hasan resembled the Prophet most uh, from his upper body, meaning his face and his and, and his arms and things of that sort. They said Hussein had the had the same legs as the Prophet So he resembled the Prophet in his own way, and both of them were always on the Prophet. He used to be giving the khutbah, he'd be giving the sermon, and the Prophet would see Al Hassan and Hussein, he'd pause the khutbah, he'd get down from the pulpit, grab both of them, give the khutbah sitting down with Al Hassan and Hussein in his lap. Right? So think about that imagery. Okay, one of my favorite hadiths in this regard to show their closeness. Um, and there's so many hadith, by the way, uh, about their closeness. Aisha radiallahu anha, she said that one day the Prophet went out wearing a, a cloak, a striped cloak, which was, uh, which, was, which was a wide jubba. So it was like a very wide black cloak that the Prophet was wearing. So Al Hassan radiallahu anhu ran up to the Prophet. So the Prophet ﷺ, he sat down and he wrapped Al-Hasan in the cloak. Then Hussein ran to the Prophet ﷺ, so the Prophet ﷺ opened his cloak and he put both of them in the jubba, playing with them. And then Fatima, his daughter, the mom came and the Prophet ﷺ extended his right and put Fatima under the cloak as well. 
And then Ali came and the Prophet extended his cloak and he put all four of them under his jubba. Right? And just to show love, right? Just in the moment, just to show love. And uh, while he was sitting with them, the Prophet recited, Innama yuridu Allahu liyudhiba ankum ridsa ahl al bayt wa yutahirakum tatira. This is in Sahih Muslim, that Allah only desires to remove from you any type of impurity, O people of the household and purify you through, through that which is purifying. And he made dua for them. But that's the image, right? The Prophet I'm holding all four of them tight after uh, they were born. Fatima radiallahu anha used to, the Prophet I'm used to come to the house and he used to call out, he used to say to Fatima, Ud'uli ibnayya, call my two sons for me. I want to see my two sons. I want to see Al-Hasan and Hussein. So Fatima radiallahu anha, she would dress them up cutely and they'd run to the Prophet and he would squeeze them and the Prophet would smell their hair, right? Like it's, that's love, right? To just show that love that he had for them. And, uh, and he would often pray for them. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with them both. So that's, a, that's just a, a very special relationship that the Prophet you now see another element, which is the Prophet as a grandfather, right? And what he was as a grandfather uh, to them. And then Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anha, Zainab was born in the fifth of the Hijjah. Umm Kurthum was born in the sixth, I keep saying the Hijjah, after Hijrah, I'm sorry. Uh, the, the fifth after Hijrah, meaning the fifth year in Medina. And then Umm Kurthum radiallahu anha was uh, born the sixth year after Hijrah. And then they had another son who died at birth. Um, and his name was, and the Prophet ﷺ named him Al Muhassin. So it's an, a smaller version of Hassan Hussein, Al Muhassin, uh, who actually died at the time of birth. Um, and so their, their, um, their family rounded out in these four children. And Ibn Abbas, عنه, he said that the Prophet ﷺ said, Ahibullaha lima yaghdukum min ni'amihi. The Prophet said, love Allah, love God for what he nourishes you of his blessings. So love Allah for the blessings that he provides to you. And love me due to the love of Allah. And then the Prophet says, And love the people of my household, love my family for your love for me. Okay, or so because of my love for them. So love Allah because of what He gives you. You love me because, and they all love the Prophet ﷺ. You love me because of the love of Allah. And then you love these children, this family of mine, because of my love for them as well, and your love uh, for me. The Prophet ﷺ was once uh, carrying Al Hasan radiallahu ta'ala anhu, was also in Sahih Muslim, and he said, Allahumma inni uhibbuhu. Oh Allah, know that I love him. So love him as well. And love those who love him. So this is the type of dua, the type of supplication that the Prophet ﷺ would make for them. He said ﷺ in another authentic hadith, من أحب الحسن والحسين فقد أحببني ومن أبغضهما فقد أبغضني He said ﷺ, whoever loves these two, Al-Hasan Wal-Husayn, loves me and whoever hates them or angers them, hates me. This was also a house of great laughter. The Prophet ﷺ would often pass by their house and he would hear their laughter and the Prophet ﷺ would inquire, would inquire about their laughter and say, what is it that made you laugh so that he could laugh with them, right? So this was, uh, you know, Ali and Fatima had a very, uh, had a relationship where they used to joke a lot. And this is one of the sifat, actually, one of the attributes that's mentioned of their marriage in, in several of the books. And so Ali radiallahu anhu said that Fatima radiallahu anha kept on teasing him and saying that she's older than him. Ali was very young when he got married, right? So she would tease him and say, I'm older than you. And Ali radiallahu anhu would insist that, no, he's older than her. Now back then, by the way, there's actually some perspective to this. Back then, you know, and some of you could actually relate to this. A lot of people don't know their birthdays from where they came from, right? Like it wasn't really a thing, right? So back then, it was very conceivable that you don't know the year, you're born either this year or that year, somewhere around this month or that month, right? That's actually a thing. So Fatima would mess with Ali radiallahu anhu and say, I'm older than you. And Ali radiallahu anhu would laugh about it. And, and that's when um, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saw them. And Ali radiallahu anhu used to make uh, funny poems for her as well. 
that would make her laugh, uh, that would make her laugh frequently. So Ali radiallahu anhu and Fatima had a very loving relationship as well when it came to uh, the laughter that came uh, between uh, those two. Now the Prophet has to maintain, as we said, a delicate relationship between or with both of them. And you realize that the Prophet also called Ali his brother and Umm Ayman anha asked the Prophet why she would st- he would still call him his brother. And the Prophet said, because I chose him for me after the Hijrah. I chose him to be my brother after the Hijrah. So he maintained a relationship with Ali anhu in that regard and maintained that relationship with Fatima as his daughter. Now there's something to be said about this that we talked about the story of Ali and the Prophet joking with each other, right? Over the dates and the date seeds, I think two halakas ago. There's something about the father presence here, the age gap between him and Ali, and the fact that he still treats Ali like an adult, like a brother. He consults Ali on his most you know, sensitive matters, talks to him about things, loves him, shows him that type of relationship. He doesn't belittle Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu or get in the way uh, of the marriage between Ali and Fatima uh, in any way whatsoever. Now, just getting to sort of that love and, and kind of getting to the end of this, um, that position of Fatima radiallahu anha and that position of Ali radiallahu anhu was well known to everyone. But I want to specifically talk about Fatima post, right? We're post the marriage of Fatima, post her having Hassan, Hussein, Zainab, and Umm Kulthum. And Aisha radiallahu anha, um, she narrates this, that the Prophet had asked permission to enter in once. And the Prophet was with her. And Aisha radiallahu anha uh, was, wearing a, um, was wearing a wool dress. The narration mentions that. And so she came in. And the Prophet وسلم, uh, told Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha that, uh, do you love what I love? And she said, yes. So he said to Fatima, do you not love what I love? She said, of course. He said, فَأَحِبِّي هَذِي So he told Fatima radiallahu anha to love Aisha radiallahu anha. So that, that's also that harmony that the Prophet was able to strike in general where his favoritism, if you will, or the way that he, he clearly favored certain people did not lead to him wronging people and he always tried to maintain as much of a cohesion as possible. Now, there are two narrations that kind of go to the, that last moment of that special relationship between the Prophet and Fatima One of them is when the Prophet came home after a journey outside of Medina, and this was towards the end. The Prophet did what he always did. He went to the masjid first and he prayed his two rak'ahs, and then he came to, uh, he went to his home. And Fatima anha, again, the Prophet even after Fatima got married, he would visit her first before his own spouse, right? He'd first go to Fatima. He got to check in with the, with the daughter first, right? And then he'd move on. So Fatima radiallahu anha welcomed him. She did what she always did. She kissed his head, she kissed his hands, gave him his place as the Prophet would do when she walked in a room. He'd kiss her forehead, put her in, in, in his seat, right? That special relationship. And she started to cry. And the Prophet said, why are you crying? And she said to the Prophet she said, you're, you're pale, your clothes are shabby, and you're not eating. This is still Umm Abiha, this is the mother of her father. So she's upset because she sees the deterioration of the Prophet physically, right? That the Prophet would not eat. He'd go out hungry many times. And he refused to ask, he refused to eat to his fill sallallahu And she started to cry. And this was the same girl that wiped the camel guts off of his back and cried in Mecca. This was her upbringing. Her childhood was crying because of the stress of the Prophet So once again, the Prophet comforts her and he says to her, Ya Fatima, don't cry because Allah has sent your father with a mission which he will cause to reach every single house on the face of this earth whether it be in the towns or the villages or the tents in the deserts. Don't cry because this message that has consumed me and consumed us in these difficult moments, this message is going to reach every single household in the world. It's going to spread. It's okay. It's going to be worth it at the end of the day. 
So the Prophet just like he comforted Fatima in Mecca and said, La tabkif, nasirun abaki. Don't cry, Allah is going to support your father, Allah is going to give victory to your father. Show something special that Fatima radiallahu anha understood. This is a girl, this is a woman who perfects her faith. Right? So her attachment to Islam is not just because her father is the Prophet. She has perfect iman. This is a woman of prayer, a woman of supplication, a woman of devotion, a woman who has her own special relationship with Allah. So when the Prophet says that, look, this is, this is going somewhere, that Allah is going to make this special and it's going to reach places, and you shouldn't feel sad, it's okay, then that was something that would comfort Fatima. Now, the last moment, though, is something really to capture. Aisha radiallahu anha describes the dying of the Prophet right? And, you know, no matter how many angles you talk about the death of the Prophet from, each one is very unique and each one gives a different layer uh, of what the death of the Prophet meant to that community. And Aisha radiallahu anha, she describes the moment where the Prophet's fever uh, his pain, his sickness had reached such a point that the Prophet ﷺ was in and out of consciousness. He was sweating, he was burning uh, from his fever وسلم, and the Prophet ﷺ could not walk at that point. And Fatima she walked into the room. Now imagine, this: the Prophet ﷺ, every time Fatima would walk into the room, what does he do? Gets up, holds her hand, sits her in his place, kisses her, honors her. He can't do that. He's sick. He can't move sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So Aisha radiallahu anha, she says that the Prophet sallallahu he tried to rise up and he says, marhaban bi ibnati, welcome to my beautiful daughter. And he, and he smiled sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And she said that he showed more energy in that moment than he did in that entire period of his passing. Like he exerted himself more to greet her when she walked into the room than he had in the, in the entire last days of his life وسلم, where he was dying and he was struggling, right? And that's the, the show of, of strength and honor and love for his daughter. And then he, he told Fatima radiallahu anha to come. And he told her, he signaled to sit to his right side. And then he whispered something into her ear and Fatima radiallahu anha started to cry heavily, right? She started to weep. And then the Prophet said this, he, he, Ashara uh, he once again said, come down. So she came and he whispered something into her ear and she laughed. And then uh, she embraced him. So that was the last time that they actually embraced. She left the room in joy and it was strange. Aisha asked Fatima, what did he say to you? She said, I'm not telling you. It's between me and my father. This is us. It's a, it's a secret at that point, right? This is special. This was a moment that she just shared with her father. She wasn't ready to share it with anyone else at that time. Right? And then later on, Fatima radiallahu anha told Aisha radiallahu anha, remember what you asked, remember what you asked me? And she said, yes. So she shared with Aisha what the Prophet told her for the very last time. These two have been through so much together. Right there, this was Khadija's, a piece of Khadija and the piece of the Prophet Bidding farewell, and the Prophet is leaving this world, and Fatima has lost her mom, lost her sisters, lost everybody, right? It's, now it's the Prophet and this is her, her father, but everything to her. And she said that the first time the Prophet called me down, my father told me that I'm not going to live past this. This is it. Right? So I'm going to die. And that was something that was so inconceivable to so many people. Even though it says in the Quran, إِنَّكَ You will die. And they will die as well. You're a human being. You will. But the thought of the Prophet dying, he was so big in their eyes. They couldn't imagine his death. They just could not conceive of the possibility. Even though they knew, it's in the Quran twice. Right? أَفَإِنْ مَاتَ أَوْ قُتِلُ If he dies or if he's killed. Right? I mean, it's in the Quran. But when, when, she, when he told her that I'm not going to live past this, Fatima radiallahu anha started to weep immediately. Second time the Prophet says, come back. And he tells her, you will be the first one to die after me. That's a strange thing to make someone laugh. <laughs> a 
27-year-old young mother. She's only 27, by the way. Young woman. And the Prophet tells her, you're the first one that will die after me and join me. That's the part that makes her happy. That I'm about to leave, but you're coming too. You're not sick. Nothing's wrong with you. I'm not praying against you, but the Prophet is speaking obviously when my aunt he doesn't speak from a place of vanity or from a place of desire. The Prophet speaks out of divine revelation. You're going to die after me. And that caused Fatima to laugh. That's how much she loved her father, and that's how much she wanted to be with her father. And when the Prophet died, now how did they know that the Prophet died? This is a very human story at this point. Aisha radiallahu anha screamed. When the Prophet died in her lap, when Jibreel came in, and the Prophet lit up, and he raised his hand to the sky, and he said, Al-Rafiq al-A'la, Bar-Rafiq al-A'la, I choose the companionship of the Most High. Those are the last words of the Prophet I choose the companionship of the Most High. And his hand fell, Aisha radiallahu anha screamed. And the first person to hear it was Fatima, because she was sitting in the house right next door. And when Fatima radiallahu anha heard that, this is what she responded with. She said, Ya abata, min rabbihi ma adna. Ya abata, ila jibreel anana. Ya abata, jannatul firdawsi ma'wa. Beautiful words, powerful words. Said, Ya abata, O oh my dear father, how close you are now to your Lord. Min rabbihi ma adna. How close you are now to your Lord. Ya abata ila Jibreel anana. O my dear father, to Gabriel, to Jibreel, we announce your death. Ya abata jannatul firdawsi ma'wa. O my dear father, jannatul firdaus is now your abode. The highest garden in paradise is now your abode. Those were the words of Fatima. Ali radiallahu anhu was stunned. He didn't say a word for days. Ali could not speak after the death of the Prophet People process differently, right? Ali radiallahu anhu, so eloquent, couldn't find a word to utter in the immediate aftermath of the death of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Anas radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said that uh, when we buried the Prophet sallallahu as I was, uh, as we finished burying him, Fatima was standing behind us when we buried the Prophet And she asked the Sahaba, how could you, how did you bring yourselves to put dirt on my father's face? This is, emo- this is human coming, you know, the humanity coming out, the emotion coming out. But how could you put dirt on the face of the Prophet How could you bury him? Like, how did you come, how could you do that? How did you find the ability to do that? And Anas radiallahu ta'ala anhu says that I said to her, Wallahi ankarna qulubana. Said that I swear by Allah, the only way we were able to do it was to deny our hearts, which means we numbed ourselves. We had to, we had to be robotic to be able to place the Prophet in the ground and to put dirt on the Prophet and bury him in the ground. Anas anhu says, she looked at me, she started crying, she turned away and she left. She could not perceive or, or, or come to terms with what was happening or, or the sadness of it. And she really did not have the desire to live after his death. I mean, it's very clear, it's not just the Prophet telling her. And there are many things to talk about here. You know, you see people that love each other, like sometimes elderly, one person uh, you know, is, is elderly and dies and then quickly after the, the spouse dies. Sometimes you find that type of relationship that's very, very different. Allahu alam. Allah knows best. But Fatima radiallahu anha, after the Prophet died, immediately went sick. Immediately became ill. Right? It, it did not take but a few days for her to become ill as well. And you have to ask yourself, why did she love her father so much? Did the Prophet spoil her with wealth and riches and throw things at her, use his position of power to privilege her? Or was it that intense love that the Prophet showed to her? Right? That, that, that was something, and that's a lesson for parents as well. The Prophet as a father, the Prophet as a parent, that what you give to your child of love is so much more than anything else you can give to them. How much did the Prophet give her of himself, despite being the Messenger of Allah, despite having all that he had on his plate, that made her love him so much? So when did she die? 
It was the first Ramadan after the death of the Prophet Imagine Medina, first Ramadan after the death of the Prophet You know when you talk about anniversaries or things that come up or whatever it is after the death of a person that bring back all the pain? Ramadan in, the, in Medina and the Prophet is alive, leading you in prayer. How, I mean, look at our masjid in Ramadan. How amazing was Ramadan with the Prophet amongst the people? And this is the first time that they're going to have to go through Ramadan and the Prophet is dead. He's buried. Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha, in the very first Ramadan, as that Ramadan came around, she, it was the third day of Ramadan that <clears throat> she goes out to her courtyard. So meaning right outside the home. She lays at the heavens smiling. She looks up at the skies and she's smiling. Now that to be Asma' bint Umais, she called for Asma' bint Umais. May Allah be pleased with her. And she told Asma' bint Umais, she said, listen, when I die, I want to be buried at night so that not too many people come and no one will see my figure. And, you know, what she meant by that was that she wanted a very modest, a very modest parting. Right? And some of the scholars said she was, of course, known for her hayat. She was known for her modesty. And she literally meant it as that, I don't want my figure to be exposed. So bring a cloth that is wide that will cover me and let me be buried at night so that very few people would attend, so that it wouldn't cause, it wouldn't have too many people around at that time, and Allah would conceal me. So Asma uh, told Um Salama radiallahu anha. Um Salama was one of those that furnished the house of Fatima, right, in Ali. May Allah be pleased with him. So Um Salama brought her a cloth from Habasha, from Abyssinia, from the migration to Abyssinia. That was a very thick cloth, concealed her with it, and she was happy with it. She looked at that cloth, she said, this is good. And then she called for Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Right, so her last moments are actually with her family radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And she called for Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And they shared some moments of, of love. And she, she actually told Ali radiallahu anhu that I want you, she actually told Ali who she wants him to marry after she dies to take care of the kids. So she told Ali radiallahu anhu to marry Umama, who was the daughter of her, uh, of her sister, um, Zainab, so that she could be a caretaker for the kids. She said she's a, she's a motherly woman, she's a loving woman, so when, when I die, I want you to marry Umama because she would take care of the kids. She would take care of Al-Hassan, Hussein, Zainab, and Umm Kulthum. And that's just her thinking about her children. She embraces her family. And subhanAllah, she leaves this world laying out, looking at the heavens, and the angel coming to her and taking her with a nur on her face, with, with a smile on her face, with just complete peace, fulfilling what the Prophet ﷺ had said which is that she would be the first of the companions to die after the Prophet ﷺ. The very first person to leave this earth from the family of the Prophet ﷺ and from his close companions that would join the Messenger ﷺ after uh, his death. anhu just lost the Prophet ﷺ. And now he lost Fatima. And Ali anhu assisted in the washing of her and he cried frequently at her washing. And Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu had to have the grueling experience of doing what the Prophet did with Khadija, which was to actually get in the grave and receive her body and to bury her. And it was extremely difficult on Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu to do so. And Ali actually led the janazah of his wife Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha. And this is going back to the Prophet ﷺ burying Khadija. It, it, it feels very similar, right? I mean, that, that closeness, that tightness between these two. And Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he actually said, he said, nothing exhausted me more in my entire life than the death of my two beloved ones within that short period. I lost the two most important people to me in my life within that very short period. And Ali radiallahu anhu said, everything I've been through in life, battles, wars, khilafa, fitna, all of it. He said, nothing consumed me and took more from me than the death of the Prophet ﷺ and Fatima radiallahu anha in that very small you know, period of time.
And this is, uh, this is how we, you end on a sad note, because, but there's something to be, to be said about this, that when you read the poem that Ali radiallahu anhu recited at the graveside of Fatima, there's nothing happy about it. There's nothing about it that is hopeful. It's just pain. It's raw pain. When you read what Ali radiallahu anhu said at the graveside of Fatima radiallahu anha, but that shows you that love and that humanity and that rahmah. The Prophet said that's the mercy of the heart. That is mercy, right? Remember when his own son died and the Prophet was crying and they said, you know, how could you be crying? Well, Anta Ya Rasulullah, he said, it's, it's rahmah. This is the compassion that Allah puts in our hearts for one another. And so the, the words of Ali when Fatima died, pure pain. Un, I mean, unfiltered, raw pain. There's nothing else that's given except for pain. It's a very uh, strong poem. He had finished burying her. He stood by her graveside. And he recited the following. He said, Mali waqaftu ala musalliman. He said, What is wrong with me standing at the graveside saying salam to the one who has passed? Qabr al Habibi falam yarudda jawabi. The grave of my lover, but she's not responding to my greeting. And he calls out and he says, A habibu malakala taruddu jawabana. My lover, why are you not responding? to my salam. Have you forgotten all of the intimate... <clears throat> he said, have you forgotten all of the intimate moments that were shared between the two of us? <clears throat> and then he actually says in this poem, he starts to respond with what Fatima would be saying back to him. And he says, قَالَ الْحَبِيبُ my beloved one responded and said, How can I respond to you? And I've become a prisoner. I've become now consumed by stones and by dirt. And he cried, and he responded again. He's still speaking. He says, The dirt has consumed my beauty, and that is why I have moved on. And I've been veiled from my family and my beloved ones. And so he said, and so she responded and she said, and so my salam back to you and to them, meaning to those that I've left behind, those intimate moments have now passed. These are painful words. They are raw expressions of death. There is nothing about them that is, we'll meet again in Jannah, nothing about them that I'm okay. It's pure pain, and that is actually an expression of that love, that deep love that Ali radiallahu anhu had for Fatima radiallahu anha. Now, Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu did not go back on his faith. He didn't become you know, uh, resentful to Allah. He knows the way that this works. He knows the process of death and afterlife. But that doesn't mean that he didn't feel pain. And I, and I think that's actually something that's very important. When we lose our loved ones, we're not expected to not feel pain. Okay? That's not what sabr is. Sabr is not, patience is not to not feel pain and not feel love and not feel that distance when you lose your loved ones. Patience is to not say anything. Not to say anything except that which is pleasing to Allah and to use that pain to do good for them. Right? Like the Prophet did with Khadija radiallahu anha, visiting her friends, spending on her behalf, maintaining those relationships. That's what it is. And I think it's, it's only befitting that you go through that and you just see it's, it's just love and pain. And Ali is actually, radiallahu anhu, imagining a conversation between him and Fatima at that point. And that's the deep love that he had for her, radiallahu ta'ala anha. Of course, what we know, what the Prophet mentioned of the gathering of the souls of the believers, we have no doubt, being that they're both from those promised al-Jannah, that al-Hassan wal Hussein are Sayyida Shabab Ahl al-Jannah, the masters of the youth of the people of, of paradise that they are gathered uh, again in the presence of the Prophet Sallallahu in Arwah al-Mu'mineen, in the realm of the righteous souls. We ask Allah to gather us with them and to allow us to be like them, 
We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to put that love and that mercy in our hearts and to put that ridha with Allah, that pleasure with Allah's decree in our hearts and to unite us with our families and to unite us with this blessed family in the highest level of Jannah al-Firdaus. Allahumma ameen. And again, this was uh, a deep dive into that life, that family of the Prophet And I hope that inshallah ta'ala it gives you a lot of perspective, um, a lot of perspective for how we carry ourselves. How, you know, Kobe Bryant died two days ago and there's a lot of this, you know, a lot of people talking about death now, right? And this should give us some perspective. This should give us a lot of perspective, right? When people talk about death, what type of, how do we want to go and who do we want to be with? You are with the one that you love. So I pray that if Allah look at us and find us to be amongst those who deeply love the Prophet and his family, that that is a sign that Allah would gather us with him and his family as companions. Allahumma ameen. This podcast was brought to you by Yaqeen Institute for Islamic Research, dismantling doubts and nurturing conviction, one truth at a time. Tune in every week to catch up on the first 11 episodes in this series and subscribe to this channel. If you like this episode, you'll love our other content. Visit yaqeeninstitute.org or download our app from the App Store. Until next time, this has been The Firsts, The Forerunners of Islam.